what makes a great teacher is the same thing about what makes a great leader and what makes a great person overall. And it's the ability to connect with them um, through um, connect with them on different dimensions, whether it's a more professional learning academic approach, but also having a different layer to connecting with them on a personal level and connecting them uh, as someone who has different interests and yeah, that idea of connecting them and also being there for the right reasons. You're listening to the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log. Stories from inspiring educators, leaders, and influencers who are challenging the status quo. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With automated self-grading quizzes after every video, My Study Series ensures students receive immediate feedback on their level of understanding. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Kia ora everyone and welcome to episode 60 of the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log where you're able to grow, learn and develop by accessing high quality PLD when you need it most. I'm your host Carl Kongoloff and as always I'm joined again by my amazing co-host Celia Fleck. Celia I've got a question for you, how are you finding traffic now that school is back? I have actually have no idea what traffic is doing these days because I have become a commuter on the train now, see, so um I am enjoying being able to read a book, listen to a podcast, which I could do in the car, but yeah, no, uh, so I just am completely oblivious, I actually wouldn't have, have any idea what it's like. So Okay, so what about the train, the amount of people on the train, are you, are you noticing more or less people now that school's back? Um, I'm asking because the road is, still seems empty in my three-minute commute. It's much quicker to get to school and drop the kids off. It just seems like people are still working from home. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I don't feel like there's been a huge um, change in the number of people on the trains, and certainly there's a lot less than what there was pre-lockdown. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So this week we've got Jamal Fiso, who's the he's the head prefect at Rongatai College, and I I probably in the past haven't had enough students on the podcast, and I think it's really interesting listening to kids talk about their learning and talking about education because we you know we we sit in in the classroom and we teach these students and we talk to them when we talk to them, but actually sitting back and listening to a student for forty five minutes talk about education, I I think is is really insightful for us as educators. And you've got two boys who have been in secondary and tertiary education. We talked a lot about lockdown. How were your boys through lockdown? Yeah, it was really interesting observing the boys over lockdown. So, yeah, my oldest is first year university at down at Otago. And I have to say they seem to transition just seamlessly to um, online learning and he loved it. He kind of quite thrived on it. Um, 
so yeah he that that went well for him and then my youngest is year 12 um and it was very interesting observing how his different teachers approached online learning and lockdown and so for him that very much kind of dictated how much he engaged with it so there are subjects that he'll tell you that he just did nothing because the teachers kind of said at the start this is what you've got to do over the next few weeks just get on and do it and then there were others that regularly checked in that had regular kind of tutorials for the kids to connect with each other and ask questions um, one of the really cool things was, um, you know, teachers that taught the same course combining to run um, tutorials for the kids. And that was really good because they got to experience kind of different teachers. So, yeah, it was super interesting. And I often think, oh, gosh, I wonder what kind of feedback they're collecting from the kids about their experiences and what they're doing with that. Mm. Well, I really, I really enjoyed the talk with Jamal and, and we covered a, a number of topics that the focus really was leadership and he talked about how he led through lockdown and how he engaged with teachers. Um, we talked a lot on education. We, we talked about um, sustainable leadership, which I thought was really interesting as well, how he can lead in a way that instead of that dropping off at the end of the year, we can just keep moving forward in terms of his role as a, as a head prefect. What were your key takeaways from, from the episode? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for um, interviewing Jamal because I love just hearing from young people and he is a super articulate, very mature young man from that was my take from it. And um, like one of the things I really connected with was the fact that he talked about connection and how important that was. Um, and also um, him talking about leadership and um, his kind of I guess philosophy or purpose for leadership which was around developing others and that's something that I've um, often thought of and that kind of drives what I do in terms of leadership and even my jobs I think as well so so those were takeaways and his talking about the servant um, leadership I thought that was really interesting one thing I thought was interesting though Carl was when you said that when you started your teaching career that someone had advised you to say yes to everything and I reflected on that and I recall it was the complete opposite when I started teaching I was advised to that people would always be asking me because I was a first year teacher new teacher they'll always ask you to do things and just to say no just to say no to everything because you'll have too much on you'll be doing too much I don't think I listened I don't think I was ever very good at saying no but I just thought that was quite interesting that's a good point and I I think that was probably a product of the school that I started at it was Wellington High School which uh, probably gets a really bad rap from the community, but actually has some really high-performing staff and is a really innovative school. So uh, there were definitely teachers there. Like I remember being uh, at an after-school drinks with one teacher and she pulled me aside and she said, look, you need to take a sick day every two weeks. And I was like, really? Surely that's not a good thing. And I guess I was somebody that just wanted to um, dive into everything and learn as much as I could. Definitely one approach that it, that I took in, in education and you know talking to Jamal it, it really um, I guess took me back a little bit to when I was at school and and some of the leadership that I was doing and involved in and like you like you said like you mentioned earlier 
Jamal was just, he, he was really articulate. He was um, really passionate about the things he, he talked about. And, you know, he was, he's far and away a, a, a much stronger and confident leader than myself or any of the leaders that I saw when I was a student at school. So I think this episode will be really interesting for educators to listen to. And I think Jamal did really well and he painted a picture, a really nice picture of Rangatai College, which will, will make the staff there happy. But uh, let's jump straight into episode 60 with Jamal Fisa. Jamal, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, um, before we get started, because it's not often that uh, I get to speak with uh, a current student, uh, we've done it a couple of times. I've had another. I had. I've had Adam uh, on the podcast, the former head boy at Rongatai. Um, but my audience won't know you because my audience are teachers. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and and I guess about Rongatai College too? Well, so um, as you said, I'm Jamal Fiesel. I'm currently the head prefect at Rangatai College. Uh, oh, a little bit about myself. So I'm half Māori, half Samoan, and, but I've been told to say that I'm 100% Māori and 100% Samoan. Uh, so yeah, that, that's sort of, sort of my background, although I was brought up in quite a Europeanized family. So that's sort of been one of those shapers in my sort of perspective and my background with not necessarily having the full connection with uh, either of my two cultural heritage things. And so it's been, yeah, quite, quite a, yeah, eye-opening sort of experience growing up and that with that sort of background. Uh, other than that, a bit about Rongatai College, uh, obviously you, Mr. Conliffe, uh, teach there. So that's sort of how I'll, connection how I got onto this to your podcast it's a school of about just over 700 students and about 70 staff teaching and non-teaching uh based in southern the eastern suburbs of, of Wellington yeah you I didn't realize you're half Māori and half Samoan so you've got that combination there and then you've also you mentioned that how you're kind of your you were raised and and maybe uh with a an emphasis on a european upbringing was how you how you coined it how do you think that's um impacted i guess because you're a leader obviously you're a head boy so leadership is your thing how how do you think that's impacted your leadership where something that you know Māori and Samoan, you've got that culture there, but also you, you're coming in with that, you know, that other approach in, in terms of weaving it all together for your leadership. How has that impacted you? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely impacted me quite, quite heavily with obviously being able to, I think, connect to different groups a bit more um, by whether they're Māori, um, Samoan or Pacific to actually other cultures. Um, not necessarily just those two and then uh, my sort of European friends or white friends, actually being able to connect and having more broader perspective, maybe. So I think definitely that has heavily influenced me and how I approach people and approach um, how I sort of interact with others, definitely because I think it's important to recognize that people do have different backgrounds and all that so we should yeah it's definitely influenced heavily 
you you mentioned connection how how important is that in leadership do you think oh connecting with people in leadership is probably one of the most important things i think with leadership uh obviously leadership the main word in that is sort of lead and leader uh if you can't connect with people you can't sort of lead them in that direction uh, and have that sort of common common vision for where you want to go where you want to take the take the whole group and family so i think it's definitely connecting with people is one of the main things in leadership actually i you know i'm thinking about when i teach in the junior school and I feel students in a junior school are kind of getting a feel for their place in the world and where they fit into a community like the school. And you see boys, because we, we're in a boys' school, obviously, you see boys who feel that they're strong leaders. And I'm really interested in your response here because you've, you've gone through this and you've experienced it. They, they tend to leadership manifest for them as them being the boss or being in charge. But I see you laughing. Obviously, leadership is is much more than that. What if you were to extrapolate that and and define leadership from from your perspective? What would that look like? Yeah, well, I, I think you touched on something really important. One of the sort of common myths around leadership around that it's taking the lead and taking it taking it by the reins and sort of owning your position and being the big boss, as you sort of said. Um, but obviously, I think, as you can tell by my reaction to you talking about that, that it's sort of a, it's, it is a myth because leadership, I think to me to bring it back down is about, uh, the development of the organization or the people around you and sort of one thing that we've been focusing at school this year and sort of what's in the prefect handbook actually at Rongatai is that that ideal servant leadership, that um, you're a leader is someone who serves the people around them, that sort of develops the people around them to create a stronger, a stronger um, sort of culture around that team or that group. Because obviously with leadership, um, yeah, it's quite important to understand that if you're as a person, as a leader, if it's just you taking all the glory or the success and it's just you developing yourself, that actually isn't leadership. Leadership is about possibly, you know, you becoming successful, but actually bringing everyone else along with you for the ride and actually bringing them up because then you can actually go further with that. Yeah, that's a good answer. And and my, my short response to people who... A, a kind of demonstrating this idea of leadership as being the boss and the one in charge is that well, it's not about you. It's about how you can improve the people around you. And you've kind of summed that up. And I think of, you know, I, I don't know whether this will go out to any students or any students will pick up on it. Maybe they will because it's you and they respect you. But, you know, if they can just turn and think about bringing the people up around them, they're going to be in such a better position in place for their leadership. So that's really good that you, I think you touched on that. I, th I think you've got a real good feel for the student body and the leadership that I've seen you um, throughout the year. And obviously we've had a phenomenal year with some of the stuff that we've faced. If you think of the student body, how, how do you feel they've coped during lockdown this year? Oh, that 
That's a very good question. Uh, I sort of should lead up with this, sort of with this answer. I, I was asked this during one of the Board of Trustees meetings, obviously, because I'm the student rep on the Board of Trustees. And they they asked me and I still, and I had difficulty answering it then, answering it then. And I still probably have difficulty answering it now, mainly because obviously what we talked about earlier with people having different backgrounds is that I think my experience in lockdown was quite a privileged one, mainly because my parents, they still were able to work through. My dad was able to work at home. My mom was still able to work as an essential worker. There was that stability throughout the whole lockdown. And I think, yeah, I had quite a privileged experience, but trying to obviously throughout the lockdown, one of the main things that I wanted to do as and my prefect team wanted to do was sort of ask and check up on some of the boys uh, throughout all year levels and just check in. So I'm answering from sort of the responses that we got when we went out and asked how they were and whether that's actually reflective of the truth and the reality of it is it's another story. But I think the school definitely, um, it changed the year and probably changed people's outlook on life uh coming from a student perspective i think we sort of saw maybe what is actually important to us as people and it challenged that idea of how important is school a lot of the responses were saying that at times the boys sort of just took a backseat approach to to their education uh which Obviously, education is important, and I definitely think it's one of the important things that boys should um, value. But looking at the student responses from that lockdown, it sort of took second place compared to their own personal well-being and their family and all the other things. So I think that was one of the main takers that I got out of the lockdown experience and obviously what a lot of what a lot of other boys got out of it is sort of finding that balance between what matters for you personally and what matters in your life and striking that balance between the two. Mm. What, do, what do you think balance looks like? So I, I, I have had a very similar experience to you when, when I reflect on lockdown for me. I'm, I'm very fortunate. I was very privileged. I, I got to work from home. My wife got to work from home. My kids were fantastic and, and just bonding with them was amazing. You know, I would quite gladly go into lockdown again because it was one of, you know, in terms of those big experiences in my life, it's something that I always look back on fondly. But we come to the, this crossroads where we go, okay, well, what's more important here? School and education or, or formal learning? or well-being and some of those experiences that we that we can get and kind of prioritizing what's important to us is formal education the be all and end all do you think i well to answer it that just that simple question is that the be all end all uh i refer back to a quote in the 1928 tirama actually when i was doing some history read up from um the foundation headmaster mr renner he says that education um is not the be all and end all and true education is understanding duty to yourself and duty to others. So it is that sort of double-edged sword that there is the duty to yourself and obviously formal education 
and actually educating yourself and getting that education is important because that's duty to yourself, improving yourself and developing yourself. But going back to that sort of balanced thing, there are other things that are also important and add up to create that whole person and your whole life. And if we go back to what does balance look like, um, I think a simple question to ask to ask yourself is, are you enjoying it? And are you going to be pleased with yourself, with your decisions in 10 years' time? And that's when you sort of start to understand that balance between what the trade-offs were and are you going to be happy with, with your decisions in the future? Mm. Mm. I liked it. So staying with that lockdown theme, you know, we, our, our students, obviously, they had some challenges, you know, that whole idea of equity and privilege that you mentioned. And for some families being at home with a lack of devices and having everybody in the same household, a big family, there were some struggles there, obviously, for people. But turning to you and your leadership, very hard to lead from behind the computer, a, a big cohort of you know 700 plus boys how do you how do you manage that what challenges or barriers did you face during that lockdown from a leadership perspective yeah there, there were definitely uh, a lot of barriers to that as you said sort of trying to do it behind a computer and not necessarily being able to constantly be at be able to lead and be there for for people so i think the main ways that we tried to as a prefect team try to lead through through the lockdown was using modern technology and social media and more of the informal platforms and to an extent we we didn't do as much as other schools and we, there were some things that we were wanting to do but of course there were those barriers between um, not necessarily having the uh, platforms or systems in place to actually get to the boys in a mass communication way so yeah i think that was one of the main barriers was not actually being able to communicate with everybody and everyone but i think we definitely did our best we're trying to get to as many people as possible checking up i remember there were a couple zooms which yeah were quite quite enjoying um and entertaining with some of the year nines and tens who actually i probably never had proper conversations with them in person before lockdown but being able to get on there, get on Zoom for, we actually ended up having about a 45 minute Zoom conversation, not about um, any of their schoolwork and it, that was what it was originally for, but then just getting to meet them personally. And then we ended up actually um, playing Fortnite later on. So, so yeah, so there were, there were some positives. What, were you, what was your biggest Zoom call that you had with the student body? Uh, my biggest Zoom one, I think the biggest one was only about 15 people, 15 of, a, of the year 13s. And there were probably about 25 that joined, but some joined earlier then some left. But I think we try to focus on the more um, intimate to sort of put it, although that's kind of weird way to put it intimate, but yeah. No, no, I think, I think that's perfectly fine. And, and, you know, as, as a teacher, those, those moments that you can have, if you can connect with a student one-to-one, -one, that that experience is much richer than me addressing a whole class, you know, and there's a, there's a lot of research out there 
um, that says we don't connect on an individual basis with our students enough. Um, so that idea of connecting on a, on a smaller scale is, is I, I think, is, is much better. Um, on that whole idea of going back to, to leadership and, you know, we've talked about your leadership, we've talked about the, the student body. What about with, you know, staff at school? How, how, how was that impacted in, in lockdown? Like I think about the work that you do within school, um, you don't take physical education, so I, I don't see you very often. I, I barely even engage with you. This is like the longest conversation I've had with you. So how did that relationship with staff and did it bring you closer to the staff or, um, you know, you felt quite separated from it? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think um, I was separated from them or that it actually developed the relationship that much. It was quite a neutral thing. But one thing that for me that it definitely um, highlighted, I should, I would put it, is that the staff were there. Um, a few of the staff sort of texted just to check up how I was, how I was going and how everything was. And it sort of just highlighted that the smaller things that we might take for granted with staff. And so just them checking up on me, um, not about schoolwork, about just how we've, how lockdown experience is, back bringing it back to that more personal level. Uh, one of the major things for staff that, that I got out of it was um, probably highlighting how much support myself and the rest of the prefects get from our two deputy principals. Uh, they were always, yeah, they always were there. And it sort of highlighted afterwards when we came out of lockdown that actually probably that's one of the things that they were already always there um, communicating with us and that it was more just because we were in the lockdown experience that we were exposed to understanding that and it was highlighted that they were probably always there. It's, it's interesting you say that because obviously Mr. Hall and Mr. Reddy, they were two new deputy principals to the school. So there was a lot of potential there for, you know, you're talking about leaders you know, senior leaders that um, may not have had the relationship with you prior, like you've spent four, four and a half years in the school, but you didn't, you didn't notice anything like that? No, um, I think with Mr. Hall and Mr. Reddy, because as you said, they're quite new and I think they came in about June last year, um, or actually probably late about August last year. They um, obviously one of the things that brought us together um, last year was, and earlier this year was that idea of sort of that common vision for where we want to go, where we want to take the school. One of the things that I really appreciated this year, which some of the previous prefect groups might have not experienced was professional development. So Mr. Hall and Mr. Reddy have been taking the prefect team uh, each Tuesday morning before school through some professional development courses and that, and we sort of framed that idea of leaving this year positive legacy and leaving a positive legacy. So I think from the start, we're just all banding together around that idea, of course, banding behind the best values, but actually this year, the prefect team, along with senior management wanting to leave that positive legacy, it's sort of, yeah, we were able to develop and get on board quite early on together because we sort of had that shared shared aim and shared goal. Is that going to be hard, leaving a positive legacy when you think about what we've gone through 
obviously, you know, you're you're a level three student. This is, you know, how does this shape up for you for the rest of the year and the, your future? Because, I mean, what impact does this have on you? So, first of all, how hard is it to leave a, le a positive legacy? And then what? how do you move forward from here? How does it impact you for the next six months, six to 12 months, really? Yeah, um, it definitely is difficult to leave a positive legacy. And I think one of the things that I want to start building up is actually developing leaders at the school, um, younger and throughout from year nine up so that they actually have that, have that time to create their legacy and to leave a positive legacy. Um, it, definitely, I don't think 12 months is enough time to leave a positive legacy and to sort of create it from scratch. But I think one of the things that I've been quite conscious about this year is starting to build foundations for that legacy for others to carry on. One of the things that we've been doing uh, myself, one of my other prefects, Tane and Giorgio and Ben, we've been sort of getting some of the younger boys, some of the year 12s up and bringing it to create a more sustainable leadership group to actually leave that legacy and to carry on the legacy. And so we can sort of pinpoint, yeah, it started with us, but actually it's a joint effort from those younger groups. And probably one of the things that this holidays, um, what I've been working on is sort of these quite, um, it's called the Memorial Bell papers which is sort of one of the, some papers which myself and some of the other prefects are writing to give towards the next lot of prefects, next lot of student council. So they sort of have an idea of how, how it works, sort of tips that they might need and all that. And yeah, so it's more 12 months isn't enough time for you personally but it is enough time for you to start laying the foundations for others to carry on your work. It's a good way to look at it and to get some continuity of, of leadership and, and ensure that sustainability. Cause you know, I imagine if you don't have that in place, you, you spend all year rising, 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 and then there's that change of leadership and you're, you're, you're probably not all the way to the bottom, but you're going to, you're going to have a big drop off. But if you can create some sort of succession plan and some, um, you know, those foundations for those incoming leaders, then that drop is not going to be as much. And over five, six, seven years, there's going to be that real positive impact, especially if they see value in that and they can carry that on. And essentially what you might have started, that legacy is going to grow, grow, grow. So um, I, I really like that. What about your leadership philosophy? Do you have a leadership philosophy? Oh, um. What's your purpose? What's your why? What's your stand? What guides you? I think what guides me is sort of the, as touched on before, I don't really have a, a phrase or saying for it, but it's mainly just that developing of others and sort of, yeah, that servant leadership sort of mentality because like I, I think that I probably care about developing others more than developing myself because when I develop others, I am able to develop myself as a product of developing others. So I think my sort of philosophy is, yeah, that whole idea of creating that, um, creating that leadership environment and setting the environment for that, 
it's nice yeah i really i, I encourage you to kind of um keep like always keep developing that and keep um revisiting that because I, I think even in a space of a year that's gonna that's gonna change and your values and your experiences and your perceptions of the world are, are going to change and it's something that um and I, I talk about quite a bit as as what my person what my purpose or my standards and, and that's to take disciplined action to empower learners while prioritizing um whānau, hauora and excellence so that's that's what drives me and that's when I make a decision in, in my life, it's guided by that purpose and, and it has to fulfill that purpose. And it's a good way I find to, to shape my leadership and my approach to life. So I can tell from you that you have a real um, passion for bringing up others. So building a purpose around that, that you can just roll off your tongue and you know that that guides you and that's like your stand and that's what everything for you is, is, a, is a good thing to have up your sleeve, especially as ongoing like i know i know you and i get a feel for you that leadership is not something that's gonna you know you're gonna finish school and go out into the big bad world and just find a little place in in the world i think you're gonna you've got so much potential so um i really encourage you to 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 do that and develop that i guess um young student aspiring to be a school leader so we've got year nines we've got incoming year eights what what are some of the the habits or routines or things that th these young kids coming into Rongatai College or any school really should be thinking about developing if they're aspiring to be a leader like you are? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, for those younger students that might be aspiring to be a leader, I bring it back to that sort of cliche that they're told when they come into school from every head prefect and their first thing about um, taking every opportunity um, that's provided for them. I think for me, that was what got kicked into me quite early, uh, even before Rangatai College was taking those opportunities and it was sort of solidified by um, Carl Brownlee at the um, opening Porphyry back in 2016 to take those opportunities. And definitely from my experiences, it's helped me build those connections, for example, where there was um, joining the Interact Club in year nine which was only had about nine members, only one other year nine and the um, rest were either year 12 or year 13. Um, just being putting myself forward to be become part of that uh, definitely shaped who I am now and where and the sort of opportunities and the different connections I um, built up because from putting my hand up to do a interact service, as they call it, um, it sort of led me onto other leadership pathways, such as becoming secretary in year 10 and then becoming president in year 11 and just taking those opportunities. Um, and I look at uh, all the other stuff that I sort of done. And I think a lot of the teachers said that I spread myself too thin. And obviously that is something that uh, I, I, I need personally to be conscious of and be aware of. And everybody needs to be aware of it. But I think that definitely um, having your hands in all pies and trying yourself, trying everything out at an early age by when you have that opportunity to actually try it out definitely builds more connections. It allows you to develop yourself and see where your passions might lie and um, start actually, yeah, developing yourself and becoming a, a leader through all your efforts and work. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I think that's good. And I think back to when I first stepped into education, I had a head of department when I was a young teacher, not much older than you. And she said to me, just say yes to everything. When somebody asks you for help or asks for volunteers, just say yes. And, and that's what I did early on in my career. And for me, that just opened up so many opportunities because when a leadership opportunity comes up, people go, well, who's going to be the perfect fit for this? And they say, oh, Jamal, because he did this, this and this, and he didn't complain and he didn't ask for anything. He just got it done. And I think that's that's really important. And when you do that a lot, you'll often find people who say, oh, you spread yourself too thin or, you know, you need to slow down. And and I'm like, oh, just get it done. Like, just, just execute and just hustle. I, that's the fun part of life, I think, is, is being able to challenge yourself. And, and I always try to say yes to everything. A little bit different now that I've got a family because I, I have, you know, other people to, to think about. And again, I go back to my stand where whānau is, is front and centre with that. So, um, yeah, really good answer. Do, do you have a mentor? Do you have a, a leadership mentor? Yeah, um, one of my mentors, and I remember talking to you about this earlier in the year, if, if I have a mentor, and um, I don't have one necessarily within the school. I have a lot of um, people that, uh, with senior management and some other teachers who sort of guide me. But one of my main mentors actually is my older cousin, Ezekiel. He was actually head prefect at Scott's College um, back in oh, 2018 or something. Um, but he's been, yeah, he's been a big mentor throughout, um, throughout my life and growing up and sort of showed me different things and uh, definitely developed me. So whether it's he has quite a good understanding of wrong as high college now because of him mentoring me and me talking about it with him and that. And, um, yeah, so he's, he's my main mentor. What's the, what's the biggest, what's the best piece of advice Ezekiel has given you that you've been able to action this year? Best piece of advice that, uh, I, I think the best piece of advice is to not be scared to, to speak up. Um, one of the things that I, I probably, yeah, if I'm being honest, I was quite scared of talking to Mr. Carter. Um, in previous I, I still am. I still am. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, to be honest, I still, like you, am still scared of talking to the boss. But it's, um, I think one of the big things that he talked about was to not be afraid um, to speak up about things, but not necessarily just speak up to actually have discussions around your thoughts, where you're coming from ideas that you have because the worst that he can say is no and that it's it's fine if they say no to certain ideas or things but you actually have to put it out there to start off with mm. have to get action. yeah and i think a lot of a lot of people are scared to speak up because they don't they have some ideas and because those ideas are with them and come from them and they're always with those ideas or those concepts or those those thoughts, they don't value them. But yeah. external to that, people see that as valuable information and ideas, those ideas can be really good. So um, that's, that's something to think about too, is that like, you might think that's a naff idea, but nobody else has heard that yet. You put that out there, you, you, you go in with confidence and you speak clearly on the ideas and your thoughts, then um, you, there's gonna be you know, positive outcomes for that, I think. Yeah, sorry. So if I just interrupt you there, um, just to build just to build on that, yeah, definitely ideas to just um, speak out, speak up about them because uh, 
people actually build on your ideas and there's a sort of story that I always, when people do speak about that, that I always refer back to. And it's uh, back to coming up with last year, uh, McKevity slogan actually for this year's McKevity. And I sort of wanted to invigorate that idea of Rangatai rising up again. And I sort of came up with the idea of having rise up as our sort of slogan, but um, my deputy and who the, the McKevity captain this year, Giorgio, he said that that's sort of been used by Hibs and one of their Relay for Life things. But he said that idea of rising up is good. And then that's how we ended up coming up. He ended up coming up with the idea of rising from the ashes based off of that um, rise up that I came up with. So it's definitely, if your idea can definitely become a springboard for other people's ideas and to start building off of that. So yeah, so yeah, I definitely think it's, important to uh, speak out um to say your words and say have your say in things because you never know where it will lead you as a group five to ten years down the track where do you see yourself is this leadership this leadership feature in that or you know do you have an idea around employment or uh, yeah and five to ten years i i sort of my next step in life is to get into law but my vision for um, a bit more medium term is sort of to get into the legal services in the in the defense force and in the army so that's sort of where i'm wanting to head towards whether that happens or not is yeah that's for me to sort out later but that's that's where i see myself in the future being in there and using my leadership skills to serve in the defense force What's the appeal of the Defence Force? Well, my brother, he's actually, he's in the army now. As a, Yeah, my oldest brother, TJ, he's in the army as just the general infantry. Um, so I, that sort of opened my eyes more to the Defence Force and I've had a couple other uncles who have been through there. And yeah, that, that caught my eye for possibilities of going in there and but still being able to keep my um, interest in law, um, yeah, alive. Nice, nice. Hey, um, before we get to the last question, uh, is there anything I might have missed that you want to mention, or is there anything you want to ask me? Oh, is there anything? How how is your obviously you being a P and HOD of P and all that? And sort of, I understand that you have a new role around Kahui Ako. Mm. And how has um, your leadership, how have you found that? Uh, it's been, I, I've probably, that's a good question. Surprisingly, I was very introverted until maybe, until I started teaching, really. Even as a young teacher, I was still very quiet. I was a very quiet person. Um, I still speak quietly. I'm not really a confident speaker, although 60 episodes on a podcast helps you be a better communicator but uh, I was surrounded by some really good leaders when I was a young teacher um, and really helped me um, form an idea of what leadership looked like and a lot of it came down to things like being able to connect um, a lot of it came down to effort and um, putting in the hard the hard yards and the grind and and you know, I, I wear a lot of hats now. Like you said, I'm I'm an HOD. I'm an across school lead teacher. Um, you know, I've got two kids. Um, I've got 
a, a company that has multiple brands under it. So I wear a ton of hats and, and, and for me, it's still, you know, trying to jump into as much as I can, but having a good structure around that. And, and that helps shape my leadership um, by looking after myself um, and making sure that I have everything I need and my whole order is, is strong across all those dimensions. And that allows me to connect better. It allows me to um, communicate better with people, um, my colleagues and stuff like that. So I, I, I think um, I've grown as I, as my leadership has grown, I've learned to take care of myself first, because if you, if you can't be in a, a, a position of good well-being, then you can hardly support others. So, you know, and I often talk about that with some of my colleagues who I end up supporting as they come through teaching is look after yourself first and find ways to ensure that your, you know, your, your spiritual well-being is good, your, your mental and emotional, because um, we often talk about physical well-being, but, um, you know, and it was me as a young teacher, it was all about going to the gym. But now, you know, I get up early, really early. I meditate, I journal, I do all of these things that make sure my mind is clear and allows me to be present. So all of those components put together have, have helped with my leadership um, and allow me to have balance in my life. So um, hopefully that answers answers your question. It was a good one though. I like I like asking that question because it gives me a bit of a, I, I love a good challenge and you know, questions like that where it put me on my you know, toes. Um, so last question I've got for you before we before we check out is so you, you're coming to the end of your schooling career, you, you know, primary, intermediate, secondary. So you, you're well versed to answer this this question. What makes a great teacher? And that's a good question because my audience are teachers and, and obviously they have a vested interest to know what makes a good teacher. So I'm keen, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on that. What makes a great teacher? Um, I think what makes a great teacher is the same thing about what makes a great leader and what makes a great person overall. And it's the ability to connect with them um, through um, connect with them on different dimensions, whether it's a more professional learning academic approach, but also having a different layer to connecting with them on a personal level and connecting them uh, as someone who has different interests and yeah, that idea of connecting them and also being there for the right reasons mainly is what makes a good teacher. Mm, I like that. I like that. And it's very similar to, uh, I read a book this year called Teaching to the Northeast by a very famous educator called Russell Bishop. And for a long time, we've known that um, relationships are really important in education and we focus on relationships, relationships, relationships. But we're coming to learn now that as well as relationships, you actually have to be a really good teacher as well. You have to be, you know, strong pedagogy and all of that and, and, and be able to deliver good outcomes for your students. And so, you know, being an educator and being really well-rounded, I, I think is, is, is a good key there. Hey, um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time in your holidays, even in the evening. Um, I would have, I would have loved to have done this in person, but um, my timing just meant that we were online, and and now you know everyone in the world's an expert on video calling, so it, it works, you know, it works. So I appreciate you for taking the time. Um, I've enjoyed listening to you speak. I've enjoyed watching you lead, um, and I, I think, I, well, I know the year's going to end well for you, and you're going to leave that legacy that you that you talked about, um, and I hope as you progress on from Bungatai College um, that you can pass the light on and that 
your future is going to be um, really strong, whether that's in, in the Defence Force or whether that's in law or whether that's in leadership in different areas. So um, thanks for taking the time. Awesome. Thank you.